Let's pray and get this thing started. Jesus, I pray that you'd speak to us tonight. We really, really need your help. Lord, will you speak to us? Will you help our, our hearts to be soft and our ears to be open? Jesus, please speak tonight. Please be here. Cool. So, all semester we've begun to talk about who God is, although we never really get to the end of it. Um, and this is an important question because we must know who God actually is and not just who we think He is. If we don't see Him as He truly is, we'll find it difficult to say yes to Him because. How can you agree to a permanent relationship with someone that you don't know that well? Or someone that you maybe don't really understand? Let's pretend, for example, for all you single people out here, that um, someone said they were interested in getting to know you, perhaps dating you. You maybe want to see what they are like, right? Imagine if you said no to just getting to know someone, and then they ended up being the perfect person for you, but you never would have known because you weren't even willing to find out, right? God has told you that he wants a relationship with you. So it makes sense to find out a little bit of what he's like. If he is wonderful, then you really ought to consider saying yes to him and saying yes to him forever. Yeah. Yeah. And I assure you, as the person who gets the privilege of speaking about him again tonight, that he really is Knowing about who God is also helps us to know what to do in many difficult life situations. For example, what do you do when someone who you really love and care about hurts you? You really care about this person, but they also did or said something that really hurt you. So what do you do? What if they continue to hurt you and they don't even seem to care? I think it's pretty difficult. So let's jump into the scriptures tonight and find out. Samuel bravely volunteered to be reading our scriptures tonight. So we can make our way up here. We're going to be reading Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 through 35. You follow along on the screen with your Bibles. And basically what's happening is Jesus is walking around with all his disciples, and then Peter walks up and asks him a question. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times. Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but seventy times seven. Therefore, ah, therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began to the settlement, a man, a man who owed King 10,000 bags uh, of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and uh, all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Uh, be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back uh, everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and left, left him alone. Uh, but when the servant went out, he found uh, one of his fellow servants uh, 
to our him 100 silver coins. He grabbed, ah, sorry. <laughs> he grabbed him and began to choke him. Uh, pay back uh, what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him. Be patient with me and I, I will pay you back. But he refused. Instead, he went up and he had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what happened, they uh, were outraged outrag and, went, and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in, you uh, the servant. He said, I cancel all the debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I have on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. Uh, this is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. asking this question. Now, how many of y'all have ever seen The Chosen? Yeah. Well, this is really cool to show about Jesus' life if you haven't seen it. And if you have seen it, you know that Peter does and says some things that kind of show us he has a little bit of a temper. When Jesus found Peter, Peter realized that he didn't deserve Jesus. And so he fell on his knees and he told him right away, Depart from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. But now that Peter is a follower of Jesus, now that he's one of the ones that Jesus chose to be with him and travel with him, Peter is probably upset with someone. Um, probably something that one of the other disciples said or did. And so he asked Jesus, essentially, How much do I have to forgive people before I can just be done with them? What a funny question to ask Jesus. But then again, we've all felt this, haven't we? When, you, when people hurt you, especially someone you care about, and when they do it over and over again, you can sometimes feel like, okay God, how many more times do I have to forgive this person before I can just move on and say, you blew it, we're done. But Jesus tells Peter this parable to show him, it's not how, about how others have treated you, it's about how I have treated you. Yeah. Jesus told this story to remind Peter and to remind us just how merciful God has been to us and therefore how we ought to respond when people hurt us. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What does it mean for God to be merciful? Earlier this semester, we talked about the grace of God and a lot of people get grace and mercy mixed up. They actually refer to different things, though they are very similar. Let me tell you this story to illustrate the difference between the two. When I was in kindergarten, I had one of my favorite teachers, and my dad actually worked at the same school just down the hall as a second grade teacher. I was the annoying teacher's pet, always trying not to get in trouble, always trying to be the smartest, but sometimes I could be a little mischievous. And so one Friday afternoon, we got in line, to go wait outside for our parents to pick us up, and I decided to play a little joke on my teacher. So I got in the very back of the line, I waited until everyone had turned the corner, and then without anyone noticing, 
I ran back into the classroom, got into my locker, and closed it behind me. So, I wanted to see how long it would take for them to notice and find me. But after a few minutes, I realized you can't open the locker from the inside. <laughs> and so I started to panic a little, but no one could hear me. I'm five years old, the lights are off in the classroom, and I shut the door behind me when I went back in. And well, I found out later from my parents that when my teacher realized I was missing, they all thought maybe I had been kidnapped. They called the police. They were searching outside, down the street, everywhere. It was like the world's worst game of Where's Waldo. <laughs> Finally, at 5.30 or 6 p.m., after two or three hours of searching, frantically, they decided to check inside the building one last time. They were about to give up when finally they heard me screaming and crying. <laughs> so my dad opened the locker and when I came out he said, Oh my god, thank goodness you're safe. Now never do that again. Can you hear me? And then he gave me a big hug. And then because he was so relieved, we went and got some ice cream together. <laughs> now when I got in the locker, I didn't realize how serious this could have been. If they hadn't checked that locker or gone back to the classroom, I could have been there for three whole days with no food or water, standing in this small little locker with a backpack on. And my parents would have been worried about me the whole time and thinking about where in the world I could be, probably assuming the worst. And what I did was actually pretty terrible. But my dad was just so glad that I was safe and that I was with him. Both mercy and grace are given to us. There is nothing that we can do to earn either mercy or grace. We all stand before God as a guilty criminal who has committed the worst and most horrible crimes, but God gives us both grace and mercy. If you remember from when Taylor spoke earlier this semester, grace is getting more than what we deserve. But mercy actually comes before grace. Mercy is not getting what we do deserve. First, we are forgiven. That's mercy. Then we are given extra gifts, things we haven't earned and would not have expected. That is grace. In other words, mercy is when you deserve to be punished for something that you've done, but you're spared from that punishment. Grace is favor from God and the power to actually change. When you receive mercy from God, you are deserving of punishment for your sin, but God spares you from that punishment. When you receive grace from God, not only do you not get what you rightfully deserved, but you are also looked on favorably. He looks at you and he delights in you. And he gives you the power to become more holy and he strengthens your faith. The problem is that today we have almost no capacity to understand God's grace or his mercy because we have no idea that we are guilty. We have no idea what it is that we really deserve. You've probably heard many times people tell you that God loves you. But very few people will tell you that you are guilty 
before God. And if you don't understand that you're guilty, then what does it matter if someone tells you that you're forgiven? If someone just walked up to you and said, I forgive you, you'd probably say, okay, for what? But if someone, if you did something horrible to someone, and you felt really, really bad about it afterwards, and then with tears rolling down their face, they told you, I forgive you, and you know they meant it, well, that means a lot more. Yeah. We need to understand that we are guilty, like the servant in the story, of a great debt. God made this world with hopes of living with us forever in a place with no pain, no tears, no death, where we could simply be with Him. In the beginning, it was really like this, and it will be like this one day again. But the reason why it's not like this now is because we have rebelled against God. God didn't just make up laws for fun to keep us from things that we might have enjoyed. God made good laws to protect us from destruction, from certain death, from sin. When the first humans ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they were choosing to experience evil, to know it. God didn't make that choice for us. God's laws are not arbitrary, but they are descriptions of what is true. If you do this, you will die. It kills you. And when we break these laws, we utterly destroy ourselves and the world we're in. All throughout Scripture, when God refers to His church, He speaks of His bride. And Jesus is the groom. Jesus longs for the closest relationship with us that two people can possibly have. He wants to be with us all the time, to share everything to live in perfect intimacy with us. But we have been unfaithful to him by choosing to break his laws continually and do things that hurt him. Let's say you get married one day and your spouse cheats on you. Not just once, not just twice, but they continue to do it over and over again and they know that you know about it. They come to you and say, What's up with this? What, what are you doing? Like, why do you keep doing this? And you, you say, I'm sorry, I can't help it. I'm only human. Mm. Now, um, how long would you stay with a person that reacts this way? You know? They just do this over and over again. And they make excuses. When we sin against God and keep things from Him, and rebel against his good laws, we are like that husband or wife that actively cheats. We come up with excuses and we tell God things like, I don't know if it's really possible to do what you're asking. Any person in this situation would only be able to handle this kind of treatment for so long before they say, okay, I'm done with you. I can't do this anymore. Sin is always the breaking of a personal heart. When you think about it, we have a great debt before God. Have you ever stopped to really think about just how much sin affects him? Can you imagine what it would be like to be God and to see everything turn up the way that it has? Can you
Can you imagine God having to watch Adam and Eve leave the perfect garden that he so thoughtfully made for them? Can you imagine God having to watch Adam and Eve deteriorate and die when they were meant to live forever? And then to have to watch every other person who has ever lived die one at a time. Can you imagine God having to watch people become so messed up that they would kill and rape one another? Can you imagine the first time God had to watch people create weapons and fight in wars against each other? When they were meant to live in peace and unity with one another. Think of all the pain that you have experienced in your life. All of it. All of it has happened, either directly or indirectly, because of someone else's selfish choices and yours. And when you choose selfishly and reject God's laws, you cause that same pain for other people. It is we who cause this mess. And God's most intense disappointment and grief is not with the people who don't believe in Him, but with the people who say they love Him, but continually reject them by their lives. That's why Isaiah says, These people draw near with their mouth and honor me with their lips, while their hearts are far from me. When someone says, I love you, you expect them to act a certain way. And when they don't, It's worse than if they said, I hate you. We, as God's people, have a responsibility to act in a way that honors God, who has always been kind and wonderful to us. And when we don't, we owe Him a great debt that we can never pay back. We are guilty criminals before Him. So why doesn't God just judge all of us right now? God really could at any moment stop all the evil in the world and all the pain in the world in a second. But if God right now got rid of all the evil in the world, He would have to get rid of all the people causing all the evil in the world. And that includes you. And that includes me. No one would be left. So God shows us mercy. He withholds judgment for a time. Romans chapter 2, verses 3 and 4 says it like this. When you, a mere human being, pass judgment on others, do you think you will escape God's judgment? Or do you show contempt for the riches of His kindness, forbearance, and patience, not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance? But because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath against yourself for the day of God's wrath, when His righteous judgment will be revealed. God is kind, and He's patient, and He bears with us for a time. He puts up with us. And the reason God does so is so that His kindness can lead us to repentance. God hopes that we will return And so he is patient, and he gives us another chance, and another, and another. At any moment, God could lift his hand from us, and we would fall straight into hell. 
and he would be right for doing it. And it makes God very angry, very angry, when we destroy the world with our selfishness and make it worse and worse all the time, further and further from what it was meant to be. But God is merciful. He holds back his anger and he gives us another chance, another moment to get it right, and another, though he doesn't have to. We don't deserve any of this, but he gives it to us. Have you ever wondered why, when Peter asked Jesus, how many times do I need to forgive others? Jesus actually gave him a number? That's so odd to me. You would think that Jesus is completely merciful. He would say, forgive him as many times as he does wrong. Simple enough. But Jesus didn't say that. Jesus said, forgive him 70 times, 7 times. That's 490 times. That's a specific number. Now, we know that love doesn't keep track of wrongs, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. So if you aren't keeping track, you'll never get to the 490th time. So in effect, Jesus is saying that you need to forgive as many times as people wrong you. No matter what kind of debt someone else racks up against you, no matter how many times they hurt you, you have hurt God more. And yeah. you owe God more. And He chooses to be merciful to you. But what is the significance of that number? 490. Well, if you look at the Old Testament, there was a period of time when the Israelites were rebelling against God. God kept sending prophets and judges to warn these people and to tell them, God wants a relationship with you and you keep hurting him. You need to turn and you need to change. And then rather than listening, they would kill these people or turn them away. Send them straight out of the city and it only got worse. And so eventually God did send judgment on that nation by sending an army from Babylon to take them from the promised land he had given them and conquer them. How long was that period of time though that the nation of Israel was rebelling against God from the time the law was given through Moses until the exile to Babylon? Guess what? It was 490 years. So Jesus was saying, God has been merciful for, to you, Israel, for generations. Does this number sound familiar? Though you didn't deserve it. And it wasn't a general forgiveness for an ambiguous amount of time. It was a specific number of years of active rebellion that God was merciful to them for. So it is with us. God doesn't just generally forgive our general madness. God has to choose sin by sin, rejection by rejection, to be merciful to us. Yeah. And God asks us to be merciful to others the same way He has been merciful to us. God was merciful to His cheating bride for 490 years of continual, personal, intentional, cruel rejection. And even though he did discipline her, he never gave up on her. Still to this day, God has not given up on Israel. And he won't give up on us either. And he continues to hold out his hand. 
what he really longs for, the reason why he does it, is for the pure commitment of a marriage with us. When I married Marissa, I stood before a watching world and I said yes to Marissa and no to every other girl in the world so that we could share our lives together. Yeah. I promised her that I would always live with her and enjoy her company. And I promised her that what is mine is also hers. God wants that with us. And if you have made a commitment like this to God and you aren't fulfilling it, know that God is not fooled. He sees through your half-heartedness. And he knows when your heart belongs to another. He sees when you really love someone or something else more than him. Yeah. And when what is yours is really not also his. And he's grieved, deeply grieved, the same way you would be if someone cheated on you. Yeah. But he holds out his hand and he is merciful to you, moment by moment, always letting you go on in hopes that you will come back and really be with him like he deserves and like many of you have already promised that you would. But there will be a time, just like there was for Israel, where he says, okay, I won't take this anymore. You are still cheating on me and I have given you time and more time to repent, but you have not. And he will give people what they want. They don't want to be with him forever. And he will not let them be. But thank goodness Jesus has made a way by paying the debt that we owed. Because Jesus was punished the way we should have been, God is merciful to those who choose him. Not only for a time, but forever. We don't have to be separated from him or divorced from him, but we can live with him forever if we will just come to him. He has given us mercy already by giving us more time to repent and will ultimately give us more mercy by not giving us the eternity we deserve apart from him. But he also promises to give us the grace to be obedient. That's one of the most precious promises in the Bible. People miss it. He promises to see us and delight in us, to make us holier and able to be faithful. When you realize how merciful God is to us, how much we have hurt Him, how much debt we owe to Him, it only makes sense to respond. We respond to Him with humble repentance, with forgiveness, and with urgency. When you see what you are guilty of, it humbles you when you want to change. There's a story in John chapter 12, you should look it up later, it's a good story where Mary, who was a prostitute, took this expensive perfume, she poured it all over Jesus' feet, and she wiped his feet with her hair. And the disciples were very upset because she was dirty, she was a prostitute, and because the perfume was expensive, and to them it seemed like a waste. But Jesus told them that the reason that she was acting this way is because she understood the mercy of God. In another parable, Jesus told in Luke chapter 18, verses 9 through 14, a Pharisee prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, 
or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. The proper response to God's mercy is humility and repentance. These two examples stand out to me because they seem more dramatic than the others. But these were the people who really understood things as they are. They knew how much they didn't deserve God. They understood His mercy and they were willing to come to Him. They were willing to repent and they were willing to see that God still favored them still love them. It's very possible that Jesus was telling this parable and he was thinking of Matthew. Matthew was a tax collector. He did the same things and he left everything to follow Jesus. Mary and Matthew both believed that they were guilty and they wanted to change and they came to him. That's all you need to do to be right with him. After all of everything, that's all you need to do. He will give you grace and help you change. When we see God's mercy, we ought to forgive. Just like the parable with the servant who got his debt forgiven, we have been forgiven more than we can even imagine. The only reason we choose to hold grudges is because we forgot what grudges could have been held against us. In fact, the grudges you hold end up holding you. This man never would have been thrown in prison if he had simply forgiven the other servant. Bitterness is the poison that you drink while you wait for someone else to die. He would have ended up better off than before, even after he forgave, because he had no debt hanging over him. Probably what was going on in his mind is he was greedy for the things that he wanted. He felt he deserved to be treated a certain way. He maybe thought of things that he could do with the money if he collected it now that he didn't know anything. But we don't deserve anything from anyone. We deserve death, but God gives us life. And so we ought to lay down our rights to how we think other people should treat us or talk to us. Our forgiveness is not just for us. Your forgiveness is not just for you. We are forgiven so that we can go and forgive others when they mistreat us. And be a witness to who God is so they can see that they are forgiven by God too. And when we see the mercy of God, we should feel a sense of urgency. When you see that God, moment by moment, holds us in His hand and chooses not to give us what we deserve. And when you see that we have only so much time before He must judge, you get a sense of urgency. How many of your friends are in rebellion against God right now? How many people in your family don't know Him and don't want to know Him? We have a time of mercy and we are being shown an unfair amount of kindness from God to be able to go and tell them and warn them. 
So tell them about God's mercy. Tell them that God wants a relationship with them and they need to repent if they want to be with them. Just say it. Tell them why God has chosen to be merciful. What his reason is. Tell them why sin hurts him so much. Tell them about the kind of relationship that he wants with them. We only have so much time. We're running out. And we need to go and tell people while we have the chance. Jesus said in John, As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me, because night is coming when no man can work. We are in the day where God's mercy is being held out moment by moment, but we don't know at what time the night will come. And then no one can tell anyone anymore. It could be any second. God has been more than fair to us, infinitely good to us, to give us such a long time to repent and to tell others. We need to see God's mercy and come to Him. I heard this story of a family in Tennessee who adopted a 13-year-old boy back in 2011. He was from Russia. And he seemed happy at first, but then he began to have some serious behavioral problems. He wouldn't stop hitting people, screaming, kicking, spitting, and eventually he started making these frequent threats that he was going to find a weapon and kill various members of the family. So one day, he started telling people at school that he was going to burn the family's house to the ground while they were in it. Now the family didn't know what to do. They couldn't control him, so they sent the child on a plane with this Russian man they knew, who dropped him off at the education ministry in Russia with a note that said, after giving my best to this child, I'm sorry to say, for the safety of my family, friends, and myself, I no longer wish to parent this child. What a horrible situation. This child was so reckless and destructive that it forced the family into a tough decision. Risk everyone's safety to try to help him or send him back to Russia and disown him. Now can you imagine if this child actually did burn down the house and it destroyed their family home, everything they owned, either valuable or sentimental? And what if it killed someone? What if it killed the only son in the house? See, we are like this child. We have been so destructive that we have burned this world to the ground. Look at our country. We have destroyed so much that was valuable to God. People have died. In fact, we have killed God's only son. But far from this family who sent this boy away with a note that disowned him, God is still willing to call us his son. And we actually did this. He has made another place for us to live with him now. And he's invited us into his home again. Now, if you were this boy, how would you respond to such an invitation from that family? Many people, when offered this kind of opportunity by God, have rejected him still for one of two reasons. They continue to rebel against him because they don't admit that they are wrong, or they feel unworthy and they hide from him. But the whole purpose of God's mercy is for us to be close to him. 
That's the only reason that God does all of this. He wants to live with us and to be with us and for things to be how He made them in the first place. We need to realize our need for mercy, but we also need to accept His grace. We need to realize that we are favored by Him and that He will discipline us and help us to be better for Him. Do you realize that you need forgiveness? And you need to come to the Father who will welcome you back into His home. Have you run away and cheated on the Lord? You need to come and be with Him again. Be reconciled. And do you sometimes hide from God and shy away when you think of your failures? If that's you, then you need to promise you that He loves you and He still favors you. He looks at you and He smiles and He wants you around. No matter how much you've cost Him, and no matter how much you hurt him. So I'm going to give, give you all a chance to respond. If you need to realize your need for mercy and repent, then I want to give you a chance to search your heart and ask for ways that God wants you to change and turn from sin. This includes if you've held bitterness in your heart. If you have, God will ask you to forgive specific people who put them on your mind. And you need to go talk to them, or you're still rebelling. And this also includes if you've been disobedient and you've not felt the urgency of our situation. If this is you, God will ask you to go and make disciples. He will ask you to speak of Him to those who are apart from Him. So the first thing that you're going to get a response, a chance to respond to, is if you need to repent. But the other reason that you might need to come up here and spend some time with Jesus is to realize that you are still loved and favored by God. Yeah. That He really will help you. If you've been scared and hiding from God, or if you've been afraid that you won't ever be all that you ought to be, that you're never going to get it together, then I want to invite you to come and pray that God will show you how He sees you. And that He'll help you to obey and be faithful to Him. Cool. Yeah. So I'm going to play a song, I'll pray, and we'll be done. All right?